After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages, where we bring you hot takes on commercial breaks. We are here to talk about TV commercials, good ones and bad ones, and ones where people say weird shit like this. What are you doing? You smell good. What? Come on. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hello, Vives. Hi, Andrew. We have a very special episode. You might even say an incredible episode. You might say, <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, incredible. <laughs> That's Uncredible was a TV show that was a follow-up to the famous 80s show That's Incredible. Right. That's Uncredible is something I've heard a lot in performance reviews. (laughs) That's Uncredible is a show on Fox. (laughs) (laughs) It's called every show on Fox. Yeah. So for folks who have no idea what we're giggling about here early on in the show, it is kind of a format-breaking show today, something that we've been wanting to do for a while. So um, folks know, I think, if you listen to the show at all, that I am... Well, as you put it, Genevieve, nostalgia is my favorite drug, right? I love me some nostalgia. There is a certain kind of weekend evening where maybe you and I have actually left the house. That's a statement on me not leaving the house usually. Everyone knows I like to leave the house. Yes. And then, especially when I'm in the house for some reason, (laughs) uh, we'll come home. Uh, maybe after a few cocktails or something, and then I'll say, Genevieve, come on, let's see what YouTube has to offer as far as nostalgic TV is concerned. And I'll look up like full episodes of shows that aired in the 1980s. Sometimes I've never heard of them. Like when I made you watch, what was the MASH sequel? Oh, After After MASH. After MASH, that was awful. That was awful. That was, I watched the pilot episode of a show called After MASH. Look it up. I won't. That's unwatchable. That's unwatchable. Um, you and I delighted in an episode from the early 80s. Was it 1984 of Solid Gold? I think it was 82. But it 82, was, uh, year it was, in it review. Was year in review, top, like the top 40 songs of 1982 as uh, presented by Solid Gold. With commercials. Fantastic. And of course. No notes. Related to um, this show, we always watch these things with commercials. It actually really bums me out when somebody uploads something and they've cut out the commercials. They might have cut out the commercials when they taped it on their VHS. Like yeah. They probably thought they were clever hitting pause, you know? Right. Look, no commercials. I'm like, ah, I love the commercials. It's what, it's what really cements some of this stuff in time. Well... That's incredible. Everything cements it in time. There's nothing timeless about the TV show. Yeah, did, That's did incredible. You, did you set up the, the thing we most recently watched was a, an episode of That's Incredible? What's that? I don't think you set up that. that oh, yeah. So anyway, one of the shows that we watched after the Solid Gold was this show called That's Incredible. And this is a show I think people um, around our age have probably heard of it. It aired in the early 80s. I think only like four seasons, like 81 to 85 or something along those lines. Had incredible ratings at first. I was looking at its Nielsen ratings. when Yeah, for a while, That's Incredible described their ratings. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, such a different time in media consumption. There were only three networks at the time. Yeah, and a few, you like, probably did have a one in three chance of like your you know your show being the thing that was on someone's television for the first year for the first season of that's incredible uh the nielsen ratings were around 25 percent, meaning 25 percent, a quarter of every american with a television was tuning into this particular show um and to describe the show today it's incredible (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna really say (laughs) Get ready for a lot of that. I love 
looking at the formats of these shows uh, that time has sort of uh, passed by. Um, I don't know if that's really what I mean there, but let's just move on. Uh, it is like the it's kind of got the variety show format. It's like live audience. The presenters are on stage. There are three presenters, I believe, two men and a woman. Um, an audience is there, and then they showcase various stories that they deem incredible. Yeah. And then it'll like, but it'll slip into like a seven to ten minute package, like you might see on uh, twenty twenty or something. Or like six, little, yeah, sixty minutes, like little documentaries. Like one was about a, a child who. Um, hadn't developed the sweat glands that he needed to survive and had to stay indoors all the time. So then they uh, make this little documentary about a, I believe, actually a NASA scientist who made a special device based on moonwalking technology that the kid could wear and then keep him cool. Um, but then they also had like a 15-year-old pool shark on where she could do all kinds of pool stunts. And that she did on stage in front of everybody with the presenters of the show. Yeah. So it was like somewhere between Sunny and Cher in 60 minutes. That's incredible. Yes, which is a real sweet spot. Exactly. So uh, you and I came home, we watched it, and of course we reveled in the commercials. And so today we're just going to play for you uh, I think basically all of, the, not quite, but basically all of the commercials that were embedded. And I will say, th the amount of commercial breakage was kind of impressive too. As in, there was a lot of content compared to the commercials. Yeah. Like there, I think we've time. really gotten used to just commercial break, commercial break, commercial break. And this, uh, they really let it breathe. And then they would have a you know a decent sized commercial break with you know network promos. This aired on ABC. I should mention. So, we're did gonna, we say what what year this particular episode came from? This was October twelfth, nineteen eighty one, okay. as it was as it aired on the um, Toledo. I want to say yeah, WDHO channel twenty four Toledo on October twelfth, nineteen eighty one. Um, there are not any local ads in here. I don't think this was mostly a, a network broadcast, um, but we will hear some. Um, some promos for TV shows that I only knew as syndicated shows like Mork and Mindy or yeah. Three's Company, but the shows were new then, and so we'll get into some of that as well. Also, before we get going into That's Incredible, uh, I also want to play at least one voicemail uh, for you today from an ad counselor who's angry about an Amazon.com commercial that he saw. Uh, and I'm not going to say... I don't think he shouldn't be angry about the commercial. I don't think he, he shouldn't. shouldn't. I'm not going to talk him out of his emotions, but I do think I can explain the you're commercial. Not, you're not going to say. I'm not going to not say that his emotions <laughs> I really aren't did lose track of what your position not, on or this could is. be potentially okay. from various perspectives legitimate. Is that clear enough? Like, what do you need from me? You're not saying he shouldn't be angry. <laughs> so, in other words, a caller called in with a commercial that is making him angry, but I also think he's confused about the plot of the commercial. So, I am going to do my best to maybe clear up what's happening in this commercial, but I'm not going to do it in a way that I feel like I am defending the commercial because I still think that the listener can leg legitimately be angry about the commercial. Okay. But I will explain it. All right. I will mansplain it. I will podsplain it. You'll podsplain it. I'll commsplain it. That stands for commercials. All right. Uh, this has been a terrible introduction. Let's get going here. Ladies and gentlemen, 
That's incredible. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Genevieve Az and Andrew Walsh. Okay, this is a problem. Okay, let me just, I need to explain one thing to the audience, and this is annoying, and I shouldn't have to do this, but we are having a weird day yeah. in the Has Walsh household vis-a-vis our cats. I don't know what's gotten into them today, but one of them, the young one, is being especially ornery. Just chasing around I've had our to put old him in cat. Time out like three separate times. And people who don't have cats might think we're being very extra here. Cats are pretty laid back animals. But today, Bingo the younger cat, Bingo the younger, as we call him, has been harassing Professor Bananas, our senior cat, all day in a way that is really annoying to everybody, yeah. especially her. And so she's in here trying to protect herself she's from him. Coming to us for protection. But now he's chasing her around the studio. You would say, well, why don't you just lock him out of here? But then that'll cause chaos because she'll be scratching to get out the whole time and he'll be scratching to get in. So Yeah, it's like she doesn't want, she wants to be protected from him, but she doesn't want to have to be locked up to do it. Right. So she's here with us and she's trying to be near us, but she's also walking all over our computers and everything, trying to avoid this little devil that we call Bingo. So my apologies Apologies that I'm even more scattered than usual today, but I do want to start with the um, very first commercial. So I hit play on this thing. This is like a couple of Fridays ago or something. We came home. I saw, oh, that's incredible. I, I And like people of my generation, like I was born in um, 1976, so I'm very young in 1981. I don't have, I think, specific memories of that's incredible but I knew of it, if that makes sense. Like, as soon as I saw That's Incredible, I was like, oh, God, yeah, I remember that being a thing. What about you? That's about, I, I would say I have even less of a reference point on it. Um, I am a bit younger than you. Um, so I would have been a very months. wee child when this came out. I don't know if it Wait, was. Wait, what are you? You're a year and a few I months I was born younger. in 78. Yeah, about a year and a half. So a year and a half uh, younger than you. But so, you know, I would have been a, a toddler when this was live or, you know, new. And I don't, I've never heard my parents talk about this as something that they were watching. So, you mm -hmm. know, that they remembered watching. So I don't, I, they may have seen it, but it wasn't like in the way that, you know, there are certain TV shows that are like articles of faith, usually in a household, like MASH being one of them in mine, yeah, okay, right? Like, yeah. you know, MASH is like, a big part of my mom's uh, TV watching experience. So it was, it became a part of my mm. experience in, in reruns. That's incredible. Like just, I don't think it like rose to level something that they were very, that had a big impact on them. That said, this was a show that did well enough and had enough of a cultural impact that I've certainly had heard of it before you put it on. But because of the style of the show, it's not the type of show like, oh, I grew up watching tons of Mary Tyler Moore and even um, yeah, Happy no Days or whatever. Yeah, and so it's because they were in constant syndication and a show like this, you wouldn't really syndicate in that way. You wouldn't have it on, you know, the UHF station. It's meant to be ephemeral. In the middle of the day in the summertime, the yeah. way I watch a lot of those oldies. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of ephemeral in that way. Um, what caught me immediately when I hit play on this, and I think I was even, I think that's one of those moments where I was like, Genevieve, get down here. <laughs> because we had just recently been talking on this podcast about Frank Nelson. Yes. He appeared in a commercial that you were talking about. This is the guy who famously, I think I can tell you, if you don't know the name Frank Nelson, I think I can tell you who he is with one word. Yes. <laughs> now, I think maybe slightly younger listeners will know that as a character from The Simpsons, but it was based on this comedic actor named Frank Nelson, and that was basically his character. He that was, was showing up in all kinds of, he was always making appearances, and 
he was in some variety show, I believe, in the 1950s, maybe doing that. Maybe 1960s. Yes, it was the something something program. There you go. The someone someone. You got it. It was the someone someone. It was the it was some guy's name, Jack Jack, somebody or some something Benny like that. Or Benny Parr. Jack Penny. Jack the Jack Benny program. The the Jack Benny Jack Parr like we, Jack feel, Penny could have been any of those. Some, somewhere between Barr and there's Penny. a lot of shows back then named after white dudes. It was just it's hard to keep them straight. Is Jack Barr a thing? What I even well, say? Uh, I don't know. What I mean, oh, oh yeah, Jack Barr. He's uh, on LinkedIn. <laughs> He's a database marketing How specialist. How many times have you looked? Have you gone to look somebody up? And like, yeah, the only thing you can find is like somebody of that name who is on LinkedIn. I love that it literally is a database marketing specialist. No, I, I think the thing that Frank Nelson kind of got famous for was uh, called the Jack Benny program. Jack Benny. Okay, sounds good. So, anyway, I hit play on this, and the very first thing before we even see any introduction to the show or anything, we see the pre-show commercial break, and it begins with Frank Nelson advertising a special McDonald's contest promo. McDonald's has been doing these things for a long time, right? You had McDonald's teaming up for the longest time with Monopoly. I don't know if they still do that anymore. But this one was something that McDonald's was advertising called Passport to Riches. And basically, you buy some uh, McDonald's stuff, I guess, and then you can potentially win travel packages or money. And I tried to dig up some more of these. I find this first one to be very confusing, but if you understand that there is an ongoing campaign all featuring Frank Nelson, the yes guy, uh, him talking to various people about this contest. I saw one where he's talking to a couple at their at the on their doorstep for some reason saying, it's not too late to enter McDonald's contest. And they're like, oh, you can win all the you can win all this money or you can win um you know, some prize packages uh, that were based on vacations. I say all of that because this one is along those lines. But the setup for this, I, this situation is so effed up. I can't tell what's going on. So we see some, we see like an exterior shot of a McDonald's, right? And it's almost kind of an aerial shot of a McDonald's. And pulling through the driveway is, and it's not really the drive through. It's like sort of just the parking lot area is an uh, older white man in a very old-fashioned car. The type of car that looks like it would make an ooga horn okay. sound, sort of, right? So, yeah. And then Frank Nelson is in a little booth. Now, I don't know if he's supposed to be like a border guard checking passports, because this is passport to riches. Okay. Um, or if he's just a McDonald's employee. I don't understand why this old man is apparently maybe rich, but also driving a super old car. And I don't understand what Frank Rich's role is here. Frank he comes, Nelson's role. Or, or Frank Nelson. He comes out of this little booth and he keeps on talking about the passport to riches. And he keeps saying to the guy in the car, maybe you'll take this vacation. And the guy in the car keeps saying, no, I'll take the cash. I'll take the cash. It's 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 confusing. Oh, mister. Yes? Help you get your McDonald's You Deserve a Break Today passport in winning order? Already is, Sonny. Did you know that you can win a $100,000 trip or $100,000 in cash? I take the cash. Over a quarter of a million dollars or the vacation of your dream? I take the cash. Uh, Hawaii? Cash. You like Rio? I like cash. So play McDonald's You Deserve a Break Today game today. I'm a winner. Oh, so you're going to take, take the, the cash. cash. So... Can you tell why this old man is in this old car in a McDonald's parking lot? I think the old car is meant to signify a kind of old-fashioned luxury mm -hmm. sort of, uh, uh, you know, 
like a class signifier of a certain kind of old money, mm-hmm. uh, money wealth, and the the and little because he's wealthy, he he just values cash. Well, it, you'd have to be an absolute moron to take <laughs> the a, any. There is no vacation, especially in nineteen. 19- 81 or 79 or whatever this is. Please don't mince your words anymore. There is no vacation that could cost more than $100,000. Like, or it's a little confusing, like, what the actual prizes are, but they seem to be either $100,000 or a dream vacation or Mm $300,000 and an even dreamier vacation. Or a bunch of food. And let's face it, everybody's going to win the food. I mean, we all know that, like, the real, there was a whole documentary about the scam that was Mm -hmm. uh, Monopoly. Yeah. Um, uh, a McDonald's monopoly, but I, yeah, like this rich guy didn't get rich by taking vacations over right, cash. Right. So it's interesting that they're even saying it's it's almost it's almost self defeating that they're like pointing this out. I guess. I guess though, and I was only able to find one other commercial from this campaign that cuts off, and then I found a dis- a description of, of another one from this campaign. I mean, let's just assume that they were blanketing the market with these commercials, and they were hitting it from a bunch of different angles. Yeah, That's the little the little booth that the Frank Nelson character is in is reminiscent of a border crossing in Europe somewhere. Okay, um, it's like a little, it's sort of like a play a playset version mm-hmm. of that, but it it is that, and he's wearing. The uniform form of like a gendarme or something to like signify the the uh, the travel element of things. So I think it's it's com- like all the signifiers are sort of confusing, but I think that's generally what's going on here. I'm going to play one more commercial for you here. Not one more. Actually, we have a whole bunch of commercials to play for you here, but I'm going to move on to the next one here. And um, there's not tons to say about this next one, um, but it is certainly a vibe. Uh, this is for RCA. Is RCA still around? Um, that's a good question. I mean, did they pair? Was it RCA Magnavox for a while? That sounds right. It's I I can't think of anybody buying anything by RCA recently, so it makes me think that they've been uh, either are totally defunct or are somehow deeply absorbed in some other electronics company. It looks like it, I got. All I need from Wikipedia a lot of the time is is or was. Yes, And exactly. I got a was there. An innovative and progressive company, RCA, was the dominant electron. Well, it, that could be that they just lost the marketplace. Um, yeah, was a major American electronics company. So uh, I don't know if I was just making up that thing about them pairing up with Magnavox. That's just another kind of brand from that era that you just don't hear about anymore. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, a commercial for RCA. You just see a bunch of people enjoying their RCA televisions uh, with a nice song playing, maybe a jingle. Maybe this is jingle fodder for some of our uh, ad counselors. I think it's a nice song. I think one thing they highlight is uh, a remote control. Uh, my family did not have a remote controlled television until probably the 90s. The 90s? We held on to our electronics for a long time, I think. Yeah. We just had two TVs in our house. Actually, my parents had one in their bedroom, too. But, like... The one in the bedroom, I think, was the kind that you go clunk, clunk, clunk with we a dial to change the TV. And then remember, there was an outer ring, too. You could fine tune a little bit. Vaguely. We had one that stayed in our basement uh, for years and years and years, like I think my whole childhood life, um, that had an interesting uh, like interface where you would it didn't have a remote control, but to change the channel, you would touch yeah. a little sort of very soft button mm-hmm. that was like and there was a row of them like yep. a vertical strip of that. them you yep. touch it and it was it it had a kind of a nice 
uh, tactile sensation. Because nothing it. moved, right? It just yeah. it identified your the heat of your finger. The heat or whatever. of your fingertip. Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. And you remember you had to preset those things. As I got older, and I started playing with all of our electronics in the house more. <laughs> you would pull back this little panel, and you could adjust exactly oh, what channel that was. I was so incurious about electronics that uh, I'm. That's I was today years old when I learned that I you would, could do that. I would take yeah those things apart, and then we had then we got a new TV for our kitchen. When we got rich, we're like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a <laughs> when we. <laughs> accidentally hit that oil well in our backyard we're yeah. like we're gonna get a kitchen tv and it was again, we had a, a small kitchen tv tube, that was mounted TV. on the on the you know wall up oh, above nice. something and had a remote control yes oh felt, so you had a remote felt like the lap of luxury with the one in our kitchen still didn't have a remote it was just like but i think you could it, you could punch in the numbers like if you wanted to go to channel 43 wab uh -huh. you didn't just have to clunk through all of them just type in four and three and that was like a big improvement and i don't even remember it was probably when we finally like kind of moved out of that original family home when i was in eighth grade and maybe got a new tv we ended up getting a a, a big screen tv but the kind that was as deep as it was wide sure. it like sat it just like took up half of our basement and i that's probably our first remote control tv i'm guessing um so anyway this is i don't know what are we doing here this is an rca commercial uh that advertises uh just the tv watching experience and um, this one for 1981, they do show a remote control. Like a, a, a fella has fallen asleep watching TV, and he's got the remote in his hand, and uh, his wife comes in and, and punches some numbers to change the TV. And I think 81 is still—it's not common, I'm guessing, in 81 to have a remote control. Yeah, I'm sure they're still selling plenty of TVs without remote controls. Um, did Archie Bunker have a remote? Oh, uh, you know, I wasn't a, I didn't watch that much All in the Family. I can't recall. Because there were like rudimentary remote controls in the 60s. You can picture them, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, I think it's impressive that there's a remote control in this and also a very big screen TV for like they're selling these um, televisions that are uh, what do you call them when they're kind of built into a cabinet? Are they just like cabinet televisions or whatever? I think so. Yeah. But there's also one in here that looks pretty damn modern and big for 1981. We'll open your eyes. Look at that. Just take a look at RCA. We'll open your eyes to remote possibilities. Open your eyes in hundreds of ways. We'll open your eyes. Open your eyes. RCA. Yeah, what do you think of that song? I like it. It's a good jingle. It's a pretty good jingle. And I think that they do a good job. I mean, it's all these little vignettes of people watching TV under various circumstances. There's a really memorable shot where a bunch of kids and their parents, it looks like, are watching um, like a something that involves a satellite in space and what looks yeah. like a space shuttle. And it's unclear. I mean, you know, clearly that couldn't be real footage of the space shuttle. Um, but it's sort of, it's like, it's connecting this idea of like a space age um, of advanced technology to RCA. And I think they're also trying to show all the different um, kind of uses of television aside from just entertainment because yeah. they show a young girl practicing her flute in front of a TV that has some sort of concert on it. And yeah. They, and so I think they're probably... They, I don't want to tell any. I'm not a musician, but I've taken a lot of music classes uh, to everyone's chagrin. And... 
That's not how you learn music. Well, it's interesting. In this day and age, you could go on YouTube and learn these things. What I love is this is an era when yes. it was just like broadcast television. <laughs> there was there's no there's rewinding. A, there was no rewinding. But that's why I think they were probably emphasizing the, the moon launch stuff, like the things that bring families together. They yeah. tried to emphasize not just sitcoms. There was an under, they were watching some program about undersea life in one of them. Yeah. So like kind of, and then you, I think you saw a couple of maybe like, did they look like um like maids or some somebody housekeepers, you know, like yeah. housekeepers sitting down and, and bonding over a TV show or something? This next commercial, um, I think, is the one where we looked at each other and said we have to talk about these commercials <laughs> because this one blows me away. First of all, it's for a product I've never heard of, and I love the name of it, Silkians. It's a um, <laughs> it's a shampoo, and I just love it. it's just like sil- Silkians. How'd yeah. they come up with that? First idea, best idea, right? Um. And what I love about it is they try to like bring some sort of science into this. They use what looks like infrared photography of somebody washing their hair. So the screen is like uh, all blue. But as she's washing her hair and it says it doesn't say infrared. I'll When I hit play here, I'll tell you exactly what it says. Like parts of her hair starts changing color a little bit. But like in the way that like the camera is detecting this. But it never explain it like they're, they're so proud yeah. of this imagery. Is- but it does not explain what is happening in this situation. Yeah, why is this heat sensitive photography or infrared photography? What is it indicating about the health of the hair or the impact of the shampoo? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's just like Let's say it again. I feel like I did a show about this a while back where people use like sort of like innovation as a as just a stand in for quality. Yeah, but it does, but, but it doesn't does it link to anything? any kind of science yeah. here. Take a listen to this. The second scientific wonder from Silkian hair so clean it flows. Silkians, the full-strength cleaning shampoo that changes with the condition of your hair. Full-strength cleaning here, gentle where you need it. So clean. So it's supposed to, it's supposed it's high-spectrum photography, and supposedly it's showing where it's gentle and where you really need it clean. Like that's the difference. Yeah, they just have this woman in this, uh, you know. Uh, this what looks like a negative negative photo negative washing her hair and as she massages her scalp it goes from blue to pink in the uh in the high spectrum <laughs> uh and it's like i think that's just from like something heating up yeah or that's them not, just touching it up later that's <laughs> nothing this is nothing also so clean it flows i love it that's the terrible strength cleaning shampoo that changes with the condition of your hair full strength cleaning here I guess it could be making the case that at your roots where your hair, your scalp is oily mm-hmm. and it's dirtier, you need full strength cleaning. And at the ends of your hair where it's like the furthest from your scalp and it's more brittle or, you know, more dry, you need like a gentler touch. Mm-hmm. It's unclear what chemical magic would be accomplishing that but i guess maybe that's their that's what they're they're going for like up here it really does the work to clean your scalp and down here it keeps it nice and silky and flowy and it's like well i don't think that's science yeah i don't think that's science um this next commercial i found to be very confusing i did a little bit of research on it which is to say i asked the internet a question it took me to quora and i copied and pasted that answer into my show sheet but let's set up here what we're talking about we're talking about ever ready batteries this is another thing that i was like oh yeah ever ready like 
that was kind of a one of the ever present battery brands of my youth. I haven't seen for it ever. For a minute, ready they were forever. sort of like going up against the big two, right? Duracell and, and um, Energizer. Energizer. And now I think they are owned by Energizer, Probably. and I don't know if Ever Ready are still in production for other parts of the world or even here. I never see Ever Ready anymore, but it's essentially owned by the same company as Energizer, I believe. Um, but do you think? brand name batteries like when i go to costco and buy like the the big pack of double a's mm-hmm. i usually do buy the name brand mm-hmm. like i'm usually duracell or duracell energizer, or energizer. Yeah. um do you think that like the store brand batteries are any worse i don't know uh i'd be interested to know like um i bought a bunch of off-brand batteries from goodwill i uh-huh. had like ten dollars i needed to spend because i was returning something and there's a ten ten dollar pack of batteries and i was like that's fine for my needs i don't know but i'd be really interested in knowing in fact we're going to get into battery technology a little bit here um but I don't know if they last longer. If you get those generic Amazon batteries, are they the same as an Energizer? I, like I'm so I buy the store brand or the the off brand for almost anything. So why do I have this baseless, or at least based on no evidence that I'm aware of, preference for mm-hmm. the for the name brand batteries? And I think it's because they've done a really good job, both the main battery brands, of making the case that they really are better than their competition. Mm-hmm. You got the bunny. That bunny is still marching around somewhere. That bunny is somewhere. still marching around somewhere. Mm-hmm. The copper top where the copper top closes on the black ding, battery. Ding, ding. Um, yeah, no, they got me. Well, these, these com- I found this commercial to be a little bit confusing too because this was for something, and I think they even maybe called their batteries the cat for a while because the <laughs> ever ready logo was the number nine and then battery cat flies off on a skateboard <laughs> the logo was a red number nine with a black cat walking through it and it's very confusing uh until i think i've learned why that is um but this commercial begins with i had no idea this was a battery commercial i thought for sure it was a cat food commercial <laughs> you see this very sleek like close-up of a black cat walking you think it's going to be for like wasn't there a cat food called she for a while I thought this was gonna be a Shiba cat food but no it's for batteries first of all that audio is awesome yes also this logo because so what happens is this this live cat that we're seeing as Andrew said it really looks like a cat food commercial is walking through the frame it leaps and then is frozen mid leap and a nine is drawn around its belly. Yeah. And then that image is converted to like a, an illustration of that image. And I love and this kind illustration. kind of a cool like 1960s almost totally, pink panther totally kind of cool illustration. Totally cool illustration style, yeah. Get the cat. Now the cat runs longer than ever before. The cat. This new improved general purpose battery from EverReady is improved to run longer than ever. But the cat's low price like it was. Low prices. This economy four pack still costs less than two alkaline batteries. A longer running cat, and it still saves you money. So it's not an alkaline battery? That's exactly what I was like, what wait, is it? then what is it? And so I start Googling around and I find this on Quora, which seems believable. I didn't go to a lot of other sources, but it's Why like would people, Quora lie? People were agreeing with this crowdsourced answer. Somebody wrote, uh, ever-ready batteries, unless they are marked alkaline, are carbon zinc piles. I don't know if that's a typo or if that's a, a battery term I'm unfamiliar with, but they are 
carbon zinc, apparently. Okay. You can use one to its exhaustion and then stop using it. And about a day later, the depolarization process will restore the battery to full strength. Hence, the nine lives. Eventually, the depolarizer will be used up, rendering the battery drained for the last time. And so the idea of nine was like nine lives oh because you would God. use it. It would sort of die this on you overnight. sounds like a way overnight. better technology. I'll bet you would. It probably doesn't last very yeah, long. Yeah, it doesn't first, last long. It's you probably only get the the one the the once per polarization use is probably not as long as an alkaline use. And also, you but want still, dependency I'm, in your. And you know what I mean. Especially for me, if I'm putting batteries in my recording equipment, I don't want like. I but want all to batteries know, have some yes. end of life. I mean, yeah. I think if it's like the difference is like you get one day of life from a a what is it carbon zinc. And you get ten days of life or whatever from a uh, from an alkaline battery. Then I understand wanting to not have to switch it out every day. However, I would like to know what the differential is on that because I'm very intrigued by this technology of a battery that repolarizes and like restores itself just by like being allowed to chill out for a little bit that's like me it's- i'm like a carbon sink <laughs> battery i just need to repolarize when you repolarize though you go out uh when i need to repolarize i stay in for the evening <laughs> for our social batteries um but they show a flashlight at the end with these ba- with these batteries and i think that's kind of key i think everready began as a flashlight company that oh, okay. came with batteries i'm talking like late 1800s early 1900s where maybe the battery was built into the flashlight i think so because i was seeing some really old like newspaper ads for them and i guess you could sort of see a situation where it's like we don't use these batteries all that often they're just in our emergency flashlight kit right power goes out you need those that you need them to work or whatever but then you turn off the flashlight you don't need it again until the power goes out again like i could sort of see that being a, a a a case use. Yeah, it's not like your transistor radio that just has to be on constantly, constantly. if you're me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this next commercial makes me laugh so much with the first line. It's one of those really cheesy commercials. You see a couple in bed, right? And the guy is like, he wakes himself up sneezing. And I think this is funny because they use he, he they use his wife's name. A lot of time in commercials, people aren't saying specifically yeah. the name of the person unless there's a reason for it. And Although we did do a whole show about Bob's. That is true, right? If Bob's that's the only time anybody gets a name is when it's Bob. But uh, the woman in this commercial, for no apparent reason, is named Joyce, which is funny to me because my stepmom's name is Joyce. My dad has been married to Joyce for like decades now. Since and the your 90s. dad is a Bob. <laughs> and my dad's a Bob. Um, and this guy just wakes up and sneezes. He's like, oh, Joyce. And I can just sort of hear my dad. Oh, Joyce. And then he rattles off. He's like, and this is my favorite part. And you'll hear this in a second. He's like, oh, I can't sleep with this cold. Do you have any, do you have any pills or liquids? Or And he just like rattles a whole bunch of stuff off. Like, but the types of format they come in not right. like do you have any NyQuil or whatever he's like you got or any... even do you have any medicine right he's just yeah. like you got any liquids or gel caps or pills or whatever because the whole or point compresses <laughs> right this is for a nasal spray right. so that's the whole point uh-huh. it's like no I don't have that but I have a nasal spray for you but it's kind of it just reminds me of like a scene from like a 60s movie you got any whoppers or poppers or drainers uppers or... downers <laughs> greenies blueies <laughs> exactly <laughs> Joyce, I'll never sleep with this stuffed up nose. Got some capsules, tablets, liquid. They can't do what this can do. Nutristan long lasting nasal mist. Got any capsules, tablets, liquid? Like, who talks like that? Release congestion fast. Lasts up to 12 hours. 
it's a little disconcerting when he takes this medicine. So this isn't like kind of the spray bottles we're used to. That's like an aerosol mist. It's pre pre that technology. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a bottle that he kind of sticks it up his nose and he. That's how it was it. when I was a kid. But he's staring right into the camera. Yeah, it's un- it's uncomfortable, it. and it looks like he's challenging me in a way that makes but, me very uncomfortable. But I mean, he is doing it in like a very like alpha challenging way. Yeah. But while he has a white plastic bottle jammed, jammed up, his, up nose. his nose and like gives it a big wet squeeze. Yeah. That was fast. I'm clear. Get some sleep. In actual tests with Dristan's medicine, many patients particularly noted an improved ability to sleep. Dristan mist got me through the night. I'm still clear. New Dristan long-lasting nasal mist with the longest-lasting decongestant you can buy. I didn't use any kind of a nose spray until I met you, Jenny. I'm a big believer in the nose spray. Never even entered my world. I, You don't like it, and I... Well, no, I use it sometimes now, but it it, uh, it does leave me feeling very raw. Like, it'll clear me up. It'll make me feel, like, really raw up there. Yeah, it will. It's, first of all, taking it is not a pleasant experience. They've never invented one that's that feels good to take. And it does husk you out mm-hmm. pretty bad. But the for me, if I'm congested... Anything is worth getting to that point when you're re- when it really dries you up and you're truly like you can breathe again. Like mm-hmm. that feeling to me is worth almost anything. Like I'd like I'd like do a Gordon Liddy hold my hand over a fire <laughs> over an open flame to get to that point when I'm stuffed up. Our next commercial is for the Stanley You Install Garage Door Opener, and this is definitely a commercial that focuses on what aspect of its product it's trying to sell you, which is anybody can install yeah. these things, okay? And it starts with, uh, we actually is, see... Is this what your dad was inspired by with the maker when he was marketing the Anti-Man Grill? The Anti-Man Grill? I don't think this was the inspiration, but maybe <laughs> along the same line. Um, so we see a, a, like an adult man looking through the window of a garage. And for some reason, I believe this man, this is an adult man, but I believe he's talking to his own father, but he calls him Gramps for some reason, which is weird. But I think they're trying to establish old people, young people, anybody can install these things, even women, as right. we'll get to in the commercial. But I think he calls his dad Gramps here because they're trying to imply that this is a an adult father of an adult, you know, whatever. Uh, here, take a listen to this. Gramp, I'm here to help you install your garage door opener. I did it myself, son. It's a Stanley. Hey, Dad. Thanks for the garage door opener. Now I should say what's going on here is we see the same guy. He was going to help, you know, his dad install it, but his dad didn't need his help. Now his young adult children uh, are talking to him. Hey, Dad. Thanks for the garage door opener. I'll show you how to put it up. Uh, we, we did it this morning. The Stanley. Yeah. Oh. Harry. Oh, happy birthday, dear. You did it yourself. His dumb wife did it? How many garage doors do these people have? They are, yes, good question. (laughs) I guess, I mean, you know, back then it was totally normal for three separate generations, including some very young-looking adults, uh, to have their own home with a garage. Yeah. (laughs) It was a real different time. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's wild, like, and it is kind of an interesting... um, sort of snapshot of of how like of how white men uh like assess their value or like measure their Uh, value to their to their families and communities he's like he's so demoralized that like his dad and his children and his even his wife yeah don't need his like expertise in some way i think it's an interesting little uh little snapshot there And, and like 
in a very small way, almost subversive. We're going to move into some just ABC TV promos here. And this is what I was telling you before. These are TV shows that I only knew as happening in the past. I'm putting scare quotes around that. When I was a kid, it's like, you know, what is it? 1986, 87. I'm home on summer break. I'm eating a salami sandwich and watching TV in front, you know, in front of watching television. And, uh, and what is on reruns in the middle of the day, right? It's things like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, but then also older things like I Love Lucy or whatever. So mm-hmm. I just grouped them all together as things from the past. Things what I, from the past. What I didn't realize was like five years earlier, these shows were in production. Things yeah. like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Um, so here, this was such a delight to me to see actual promos, not for reruns of, but for new episodes of Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Tuesday. Oh, my. Well, way with women rub off on Al. Hey, sweetheart, listen, I love you. I'll call you right back, all right? Hey, sweetheart, listen, I love you. I'll call you right back, all right? I got a date tonight! He's hot to trot for a big night on the town on Happy Days. Then... Hi. I can come here for me, but more am crying. Capricorn, what's yours? Laverne's acrobatic boyfriend takes her to new heights on the season premiere of Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> Tomorrow, starting at 8, 7... So that is Laverne. We see her on the couch with some guy, I'm assuming, speaking some Eastern European language. Um, and and she she just assumes he's asking her sign. And then uh, we see her. She joins his acrobatic troupe. Penny Marshall is... I mean... She actually... I know. That what kind an of astounding career she's had. But she's... I mean, even in that little... That even that little snippet of a very old-fashioned TV show, uh-huh. her talent is unmistakable. It, yeah, that actually made me legitimately laugh out yeah. loud in the way that it's supposed to. Yeah, it was it was funny on purpose. Yes, exactly. So here, I'm gonna uh, play for you another very sweet song here, Genevieve. This is um, for I forgot Penny Marshall died a couple years ago. I, oh yeah, I, I had... and she was a director yes, too. Yes, and right? that's and that's what I mean about an astounding talent. Yeah. Like she went from being, you know, a uh, a. Uh, tertiary character or, or bit player on Happy Days to the star of a very successful sitcom mm-hmm. to an, one of our like most successful directors. Yeah. Um, here's and a, producers. Here's a song from Sears. You'll be happy to hear that Sears is having an all-family coat sale. Up the quality. Snap it up with style. Zip her down to see for a sale to make you smile. It's Sears All-Family Coat Sale. Save 25% on selected coats, vests, jackets. In styles, colors, and sizes for the whole family. All 25% off through Saturday. Zip for down Sears for a sale to make you smile. When your family counts, you can count on Sears. I don't know how well you could hear that, but it was zipper down to Sears for Zip, a sale. Zipper down to Sears, button up. Button up your coat. Button up your style. I don't know. I don't know. I loved it, though. That one kid had one of those puffy coats, the tricolor puffy coat that was like all the rage literally just last winter. I was just going to say, I was looking at this trying to see like what what of this, which parts of these styles have come back or do I still think have some some quality? And there's a lot of ugly coats in that. Yeah. A few of them are things that elements of that style have come back recently, but but they've been improved upon or or updated, you know. I mean, even the puffy coats, it has a real look to it. Like something, there's something about the cut that just makes it look very dated. Even as, even as the a, one that like came back as a retro fashion. Yeah, they they updated a little bit. I think just cut wise. Yeah. Um, this next commercial. Sorry for my little distraction there. Uh, if I just gave you a yeah. Um, this next commercial 
is for close-up toothpaste. And this is another one that we got into a conversation about while we were watching That's Incredible. I wonder if people are disappointed that we're not just playing That's Incredible. Hey, when we're going to post the link to the show. You can yeah, go you watch can it watch, for yourself. Yeah, you can watch the whole thing. Yeah. It, is an, it is an incredible show. Like, mm-hmm. we mentioned the... Um, the the young pool shark or yeah, young, she was great. the 15 year old uh like trick pool shot uh uh teenager and you googled her yeah and she did it i think she ended up having like a, a healthy career mm-hmm. as a as a professional pool player um there was the one you mentioned about the, uh, the boy who had uh, no sweat glands and they mm-hmm. had to invent some kind of like bubble for him to to operate in and can i just say one thing about that and i need to be careful here this is something that i pointed out in fact, I think I maybe watched that segment before you did. Then I finally said, you got to come down and watch the show with me. Um, this is going to sound a little insensitive, <laughs> but I would like to set it up in the most sensitive way possible. This little kid is really cute. They set up the package, the story about him. You see him inside taking fake photos with a little Fisher-Price camera that I had as a kid. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. It is kind of heartbreaking um, that he can't go and outside. He can't, and he's watching like his you know, I don't know, siblings or neighbors, whatever, riding bikes outside. And he basically it, can't go anywhere that's hot because he'll like he he'll overheat. And then um, the, they do this whole thing where he goes to a lab and he meets the scientist doctor guy from space and he makes this <laughs> spacesuit form or whatever so he can go outside. And then at the end, and this is I'm I'm not making fun of the kid. I mean, I, I actually we should Google that kid and see if he ended up hopefully living a, a long uh, life, but. At the end, while they're wrapping it up, they say something like, now that he has this invention on his side, he can live a normal life like other kids. And they show a shot of all these kids riding bikes, and he's also riding like a tricycle. But he's in this outfit that you don't really know, this spacesuit that has a big umbilical cord, like a, I don't know, one foot wide in diameter. And it's going to some device that his dad is holding and chasing him running around alongside. and running alongside and like to keep him cool. Again, if the kid is getting more exercise and he's enjoying this, that's great. But I wouldn't say just like other kids. Yes. Like it is astoundingly not just like other kids. Yeah, they that the the fault there is not you for being a jerk. It's the fault of the writing for setting up what is an obvious It ends up being line. kind of a visual joke yeah. that is unintentional. Um, what do we have next here? So, oh, yeah, I was going to say, this is a commercial for toothpaste, close-up toothpaste. I think I already said that. And you can think about all the different ways to sell toothpaste, like, obviously, gum and tooth health, right? A, shine, a brighter smile, all these things. But close-up, as far as I know, is the only, like, toothpaste product that just said, you know what? Kissability. Yeah. You use our toothpaste, people are going to want to kiss you more, you're going to kiss more. And I kind of love it. They, they stuck with that idea for years and years. Tooth. When I see close up in the store, I'm like, that's the kissing one. Yeah. I, and, you know, <laughs> and like a lot of other like fresh breath products have taken their cues from that. There was a, um, we talked about it kind of recently. I think it was like a post-pandemic ad about people coming out of hibernation and using, I believe, a gum or maybe it was a breath mint, but something, some kind of breath freshener that made them like kiss, but like it was more like about fuckability. <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> you one. don't remember like the girl and the boy kissing in the tree, and oh, there was just yeah, so much. Okay, it was like a real yeah. horny gum commercial. Yeah, that's right. There were kids in the tree, I think, right? You know, teenagers. K i s s i n g. Yeah. Um, so in this one though, and it's, they're always so corny, but you can just create a million scenarios just like these people are close and then they're going to kiss. Uh, this is a, I'm going to, 
I guess they're not teenagers because they're looking back at an old yearbook, but they're very young people sitting on a couch somewhere. It almost looks like a sitcom, and uh, they're just going through her old yearbook, I believe. Are you in this yearbook? Sure. I was even a majorette. Look. What are you doing? You smell good. Now, there's one thing that I would like to point out about this, which is it starts off with kind of not a wide shot, but a wider shot of both of them sitting on the couch. But it's slowly zooming in more and more on her. And it gets a little uncomfortable as the camera just continues to push. And you realize, oh, that usually would have stopped a while. But it's close up. Right. Well, I would also say that. I get a little uncomfortable when he leans in and sniffs. That oh, yeah, sniff no. sound oh. is him sniffing her mouth. Sorry. Yes. Let's not overlook that. It's just, This commercial is just also so obviously weird and inappropriate and uncomfortable making yes. that I didn't even think to mention that part. I was just focused on the uncomfortable camera work. Are you in this yearbook? Sure. I was even a majorette. Look. <laughs> what are you doing? You smell good. What? Come on. Your breath is so fresh. That's close up. Close-up toothpaste? Why do you think they call it close-up? It's the toothpaste with real mouthwash We're to too freshen close my now. breath. And it gets my teeth as white as they can be. There I am, second in line. You're first with me. <laughs> oh, then they, yeah, they smooch. Kiss. You get the impression that they're already in a relationship. Yes, which I don't think I it's their do. first yeah, kiss. Yeah, yeah. couple things I just want to call out about that. It gets very close, as you said, which I understand is... is core to the pitch but is uncomfortable when she's delivering the line about that's close up mm-hmm. it makes my breath fresh or whatever she's looking not at him but directly to the camera you can watch that transition I was yeah. going to say that like she's mostly talking to him but then as we get closer and closer she starts noticing the cameras on her then yeah. she starts talking directly to the camera which is uncomfortable and then the other funny thing I noticed is that at, they, at the very start of the shot he holds up is this your yearbook and it's just a big book that says yearbook, yearbook. on the yeah, front. It doesn't like, say did like... your high school not bother to put its name on the no, yearbook? No, the name of the high school is yearbook. <laughs> when she went to yearbook high. <laughs> what I thought you were going to say is I noticed something else about that. And again, this is such a small detail, but like as they're zooming in on her slowly, 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 she's like, now she's talking to the camera, but she's looking directly at us and without cutting, she just says, oh, look, that's me. Yeah. And then she <laughs> she focuses down. Like, it's like, did she feel herself on the page? Yeah, like, right. It, it, the directing is so weird. She suddenly breaks eye contact with us and says, oh, look, that's me. Yeah, this commercial breaks a lot of logic. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay, this one we might have to watch twice because I've thought about this and I don't know how to describe this. Okay. this is for a, I mentioned Magnavox earlier um, one of those legacy electronic brands that I don't know if they're around anymore but I feel like Magnavox is just such a it's such a time stamp I'll on tell you what I went it? shopping for a TV within recent memory and I did not see any Magnavoxes you weren't looking for Magnavoxes yeah. um, but uh this one has Leonard Nimoy in it, and I can't – this is a very visual commercial, and I don't know how to describe it. It's like – it feels more like the 70s, first of all, and it's almost got like – it's almost, I feel like, stylized like the beginning of a 007 movie from that era, okay. sort of. Like imagery coming and going, and there's a mysticism to it, and it starts by showing an hourglass yeah. and then the profile of a woman looking at it, but it's like arty. Like it's like an art film And almost. it doesn't surprise me that they would get – uh, Leonard Nimoy, aka Mr. Spock, for that because, for better or for worse, that was very much entwined with his character as Mr. Spock. Okay, it was yeah. like a certain Vulcan mysticism. Yes. So here, watch this. And of course, fut- and of course futuristic. So watch this and listen to this, and then tell me if we have to go back and and rewatch it because you'll give it better adjectives okay. than I was able to. <laughs> Time. The truest test of any product 
is how it performs over time. Now, this. Magnavox Star System Color Television. Designed for the highest reliability in Magnavox history. Design concepts, technology, advanced manufacturing systems for a picture as reliable as it is bright and clear. Magnavox. The brightest ideas in the world are here today. First How all, trippy is that? It's so trippy. It's very much a lot of um, uh, hourglass imagery. Every time yep. he says time, we see some kind of like, woo, an hourglass is coming towards you. Or something that implies the shape of an hourglass. Yes. Um, but what you slept on is the most hilarious and weird part of it, which is his incredible mustache. Mm. You don't think of uh, Leonard Nimoy as having a a, a big, full, luxurious stash, but he sure as shit does in He this. looks like a beatnik in this, sort of, right? I don't know. It's like giving me, like, I don't know, corrections officer vibes or something. The truest test of any product is how it performs over time. Now, this. Magnavox Star System Color Television. Design yeah, you're right. A beatnik would maybe also have a like a whole Van Dyke situation. Yeah, this is just a he's big. He's a little. Full bit, he's kind of wearing a leather jacket stash, and yeah. heavy with shadows, almost noiry. It's very noir in this very neo noiry kind and of. And of course, way. they have to have him say something with the word star space in it. or star. star yes, system. exactly. Um, great commercial though. That is one that if you are if you like to watch these after we talk about them, please check that yeah. one out because uh, I'm having a tough time describing it, but it's really worth watching. Sometimes I feel sorry for. Leonard Nimoy because I know he felt very boxed in by the Star Trek universe and his uh, association forever and ever with Mr. Spock but then he doesn't add like that I'm kind of like well my dude you leaned into it for the cash and then he's also but but although that I mean there's one line in there but I don't think that that commercial evokes Star Trek uh, I disagree Real, I mean you know Star Trek better than me it just seems so like um, it's a soft touch maybe yeah. it's not it's not a parody of star trek in any we by any means but he's not like in a spaceship no blasting he, away bad tv brands but knowing star trek as i do and kind of knowing how like vulcans are depicted and the fact that they got mr spock himself to mm-hmm. do it like you can't take the star trek mythos totally out of that ad um and like I mean, yeah, sure, if you put somebody else who wasn't Leonard Nimoy in it, it might not, you might not think Star Trek, but you're definitely going to think Star Trek with him in it and all of that imagery. And, and all of the trappings that go along with it, the, the imagery and the sound as well. Yeah, right? the sound for yeah. sure. Um, I'm going to play another commercial for you here. This one is, okay, I meant to do a little research on this. This one really caught my attention because... I remember a time, I thought I did, <laughs> when the Rubik's Cube was king. Yeah. Like, the Rubik's Cube was the hottest thing on the planet. It yeah. seemed like everybody was talking about the Rubik's Cube. But I would have put that later in the 80s because then I felt like we started to see all the other little handheld puzzle games that came after it, like this one called Missing Link. And as soon as I saw this thing, it was it was one of those objects where I was like, would have never in a million years remembered this existed, but the second I saw it on the television, I'm like, I've held this thing a million times. Friends, cousins, people had it, and it was the, um, it it was a puzzle that was kind of instead of being a cube, 
like a Rubik's Cube. It was longer than that, Mm -hmm. like a rectangular type of thing, three-dimensional, of course. And on each side was like a a chain, if you can imagine the links of a chain. But there were four colors, red, white, green, and blue, I think. And when you messed it all up, you had to then match the chain links back together some way so you could get the same color on every side. I'm assuming that they slid around or something, too. I don't know why it's that difficult. But um, it was (laughs) called the missing link. If it only rotates on one axis, yeah, it's just kind of like, I feel like yeah. I can solve that. Even I could take a I've shot at that. I've never solved a Rubik's yeah. Cube, but I feel like I could get that. So this is something, and it must have moved on various axes or what have you, but I don't remember the details of how to play. I never was able to solve any of these things, but the reason I'm a little bit confused, I mean, I was gobsmacked by seeing this object from my past that I'd totally forgotten about, but also I would have guessed that the Rubik's Cube hit popularity around 84, 85, which means 85, 86 is when we're seeing all of the sort of like, I don't know if knockoff is the proper way of putting it, but the sort of like people trying to eat into that market, but this was 1981. Well, 1981 was very soon after Rubik's Cube, Rubik's Cube hit the kind of hit the big time. Are you actually, looking it up over there? I am. Good, um, good so the cube, the Rubik's Cube, was invented in 1974. Wow! Um, wow! But it wasn't really. It didn't like hit. It didn't really hit markets and become a thing until it was released internationally. It was a German invention. Was it wasn't released internationally until 1980, okay. and it became an overnight sensation. Okay. And I mean, like within a year, it was like everyone had heard of it. So uh-huh. it really was like you're right. And then its staying power was incredible. Yeah. I think like really throughout the 80s, it held on to. Um, it's kind of iconic status as like the kind of this kind of puzzle game. Yeah. Like it was the absolute like iconic version mm-hmm. of that. The 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 er the er version. But I think people were quick to get into the market with similar ideas because of the popularity of the Rubik's Cube. Okay, gotcha. So probably my my memory is just that like I grew up probably was almost always omnipresent um, and I just kind of grew up in a world where there were the Rubik's Cube and we all knew that the Rubik's Cube was was king of the puzzle games but then you had all these other things as well like this one the missing link puzzle this is a strange commercial I mean in a certain way like you sort of get the logic of what they're trying to do. I guess they're trying to show various smart researchery kind of people. I don't know, all trying to solve the missing link puzzle game. But for some reason, they start in some sort of winter tundra area and they say, let's go to the land of the abominable snowman to see if they can solve it there. And there's some guy just like in a jacket trying to solve it and he can't. Then you're in a lab, specifically a DNA lab, for some reason, I don't know. And the scientist there, she can't solve it. Yes, Genevieve, the scientist was a woman. Um, and then you go to like the jungles of Africa or something where there's a guy with so we've a got, so far, I just pencil make sure mustache. I'm following. We've got like cryptozoologists. I guess. DNA scientists. Sure. That's for sure. And then like a safari guy. I don't know why the safari. I don't know. Like the scientist makes the, sense. Were these like the smartest people that they could come up with? I guess so. Like the scientist makes sense. She's a DNA. It's, you know, DNA science. It's, it's rocket science, yeah. you know, but the other ones I don't get. The search for the solution to the missing link puzzle takes us to the land of the abominable snowman. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. Can the solution to the missing link be found in the DNA laboratory? I got it. I got it. I don't got it. Or is the solution to the missing link in deepest Africa? I've got it. I've got it. I don't got it. The missing link puzzle from ideal. The only thing really missing is the solution. (laughs) 
There's a monkey at the end. The monkey gets it, by the no way. No joke with no joke. It really only looks like it operates on one axis. I but no, I think they slide up and down. They or must something. have to yeah. slide up and down, but they don't it show it. It doesn't seem like that. Even with a, if it slides, it doesn't seem that hard. It just does doesn't it? seem hard. I want to get one of these things. And Let's see keep if an it's eye really out. Hard. Let's go yeah. to some goddamn garage sales. I can't believe we've missed the uh, almost the entire garage sale. Yeah, summer. I want to. I want to play with a missing link puzzle and see what it what it is that makes it so tricky. Yeah, because it looks like a joke. It does it, it, in in its simplicity. Yes. Yeah. Um, Genevieve, you thought we were done with nasal spray commercials. You didn't say that, but I could see it on your face. You're like, well, we did one nasal spray commercial. Yeah, that's like all we're going to do. But that's not true. In fact, this is a commercial that takes a very different tack towards selling nasal spray. This one feels like assault to me. And okay. this was a kind of commercial that I think was bigger probably in the 60s and 70s. But I don't know. I mean, you'll get it when you see it. There's nothing inherently sexist about it, but it just is one of those things where you have the there's a woman and she's shopping in a grocery store, and then suddenly a man in a suit, like a he looks like he could be a game show host or whatever, or a newscaster of the time, just comes and starts mansplaining to her that she's buying the wrong nasal spray. Yeah. And it feels so bossy and him being like, You dumb broad. <laughs> he's like, What? How are, how long are those supposed to last? She's like, well, this one says seven hours. She's like, well, have you looked at this one? It's 12 hours, you dumb bee. Do you know that 12 is greater than seven? There's something about this that I find... Didn't they teach you that in housewife school? <laughs> I see you're buying a long-lasting nasal spray. Why? It gives me long-lasting relief. Oh, <laughs> First of all, just like the setup, I see you're buying this stuff. Why? Because, because I have a cold. Is for the, the reason that you just said? Yeah, right. Like, the reason you're buying it is because you have a cold, you would think, or you want it. Because I don't think I can get away with shoplifting. <laughs> what? Why? I see you're buying a long-lasting nasal spray. Why? It gives me long-lasting relief. How long? Well, it says eight to ten hours. Here's duration nasal spray. How long does it give relief? Jesus. It says up to 12 hours. That's some different. That's two to four hours longer. That's he literally the does the math. Lasting nasal decongestant. Now, which one are you going to use? Why, this one. Duration. Duration with up to two to four hours more relief. The proof's on the package. The way, first of all, the proof's on the package doesn't make any sense. No, it is not the on the package. It has to be. The words in, are on the package. Yeah. But and the, the proof and the way, is in the usage of the it. The way he's looking at her at the end, like, oh, you're getting it now. I, I just, said as a joke, oh, he does the math for her, 12 is more than 8. Uh -huh. And then he literally does the math for her, 12 is more than 8. That is painful to watch, that is, is really it not? really rough, yeah. It is rough. Let's lighten things up a bit here with some more ABC promos, Can I Genevieve. tell you, I'm very excited for this promo because uh, it's got... A but it's got my new favorite show in it. Uh, oh, yeah. that's I almost skipped this one. No, don't um, skip this. But I, then I saw, so this is a promotion for three ABC shows. Three's Company, again, a show that I lived my life thinking only ever existed in reruns. Yeah. I didn't think there was a world in which were they were, were new. Were you allowed to watch Three's <laughs> Company or was it considered too fresh? I, I didn't. First of all, I think it might have been on during time slots where I could have gotten away with watching it like during the day in, yeah. in rerun syndication. But frankly, I never liked it. I, it I didn't get it. It was too yeah. adult. I didn't really get it. Um, but also, I don't think my parents would have loved me watching it, frankly. Yeah. It's way too fresh. Right. Way too fresh. They were very strict about the type of stuff we watch on TV. Um, but it's yet Three's Company. And this is just a that one goes by very quickly. Jack Ripper. Tripper. Tripper. 
Jack Tripper. That's his character. Yeah, name, he's right? not yeah, Jack yeah. the Ripper. Although when you think about it, Jack. Why did they Ripper. choose that? Yeah, <laughs> hmm. Jack T. Makes Ripper. you think, doesn't it? <laughs> Same universe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's trying to make the moves on some lady on the couch, and then one of his roommates stops him. I don't quite. So get the, the plot joke of every three. Yeah, company. exactly. Yeah. And then you see a Too Close for Comfort. Ted Knight. This is a show I'd totally forgotten about. Again, I remember seeing Too Close for Comfort. Of course, that just was always there. But no, it was a TV show that lasted about, I think, four seasons or something. They brought it back after a hiatus and called it the Ted Knight Show. Um, but it's basically Ted Knight, I believe he's a cartoonist. I was looking this up earlier. Okay. Um, but he lived... The thing I remembered about this is his adult daughters live in the house with him and their mom, okay. uh, him and his wife. Wow, um, empty nest owes, owes a big debt. Yes, but then... Now, this is interesting. So they live in a San Francisco home, but apparently there was an episode episode where the two adult girls move I guess they're called women but the two adult daughters the large adult daughters I should say the two adult daughters apparently move across to Oakland and then the whole episode is about how they have to deal with like crime and police sirens Uh and and all this stuff and then apparently they saw a black guy yeah I believe that was probably in the small print yeah and uh, and apparently it caused an uproar amongst Oakland politicians interesting Um, and then in this promo though they don't get into that in this one it looks like his wife he just learns that his wife is pregnant and he says, yes, in uh, a nighty kind of way. Uh, and then there's a heart to heart promo, your new favorite TV show, because you've been listening to a heart to heart podcast. Yes. Right? I want to put in a plug for my new favorite podcast, which is called It Was Murder, which is a companion podcast to heart to heart. And I wasn't uh, I didn't really watch heart to heart like it was it was in that category of show that I was aware of. It was it's a an adventure uh, crime, you know, basically a, pr- a crime mm-hmm. crime thriller show, but it's procedural, so each episode is pretty much unrelated. But the premise yeah. of Heart like a to Magnum PI, yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah. Any any of those '70s shows where there's like a a sexy crime solver, and it's this married couple, Jonathan and Jennifer Hart. He is a multimillionaire business owner, and she is a reporter. Oh, and so they and then they and they're like this super in love hot couple that like always find themselves at the center of some murder mystery. They're not PIs. No, not at all. Oh, I thought they ran a PI office together. I did not. I've always I remember the show being on. I remember catching bits of it as a young person and kind of liking it and even thinking maybe I'd watch this someday. But I always thought that they ran a, a husband wife PI firm. They basically I, do because huh. they they spend all of their time solving crimes and maybe in later seasons. I don't know. I'm not that far into it. Maybe uh-huh. they change the premise. But for now, the premise is that they have unlimited. They're both very beautiful people. And a lot of it's just like the fun of their costuming and their like hijinks together and their chemistry together. And the fact that they can kind of do whatever they want because they've got so much money. Oh, really? And freedom. Because she, she has all that newspaper money. Well, he's—I mean, there—it's his money. But it's they, his money, but she's, but she's, but she's spending. She's it. like the investigative reporter, yes. though, so she's kind of got that going. Oh, that's exactly. interesting. I didn't know that. I always thought they just ran a PI place. A PI place is but, what they but call this, them. But this podcast, and so the show is very fun in that like mm-hmm. '80s way, late '70s, early '80s way. Um, and then this podcast I'm listening to that actually a couple of my friends make. Um, it's just a very fun uh, dissection of each episode. All right, let's take a listen to this promo for all three of those shows. Tuesday on Three's Company. Do you know what I really want you to do? What? <laughs> and look out. I'm pregnant. It's the season premiere. <laughs> <laughs> Too close for comfort. Maybe going on 52, fella, but you're still dangerous. Then. They're killers. 
Jonathan and Jennifer try to turn the tables on murder in Acapulco. <laughs> Tomorrow's starting at yes, nine. They're trying to turn the tables on, on murder? murder. Like, there's not even a. Is there a table pun going on there? Is there a visual? Somebody, I guess, is flipping Someone over a table. Someone does get flipped I guess. over a table, but that's yeah. I mean, if they were DJs, that might make more sense. Yeah, <laughs> that, and also pretty forward thinking for the heart to heart audience I yes, would think exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this next commercial I really like you see uh, uh, I guess you know a couple you're guessing like a husband and wife a middle aged couple and it's kind of a close up on them and it's sort of a shadowy shot and it looks like the father is kind of, or it looks like the the husband is like kind of scared and he's like there's a gate will he let me pass and then you realize they're playing a board game with their family you think you'll let me through ask him May I pass through this gate? Sure. For $100. But I haven't got $100. (laughs) (laughs) Double Track, a fascinating game where money talks. So do luck, foresight, and strategy. What you do on the outside track controls your ultimate fate on the inside track as you race for home. Double Track has no sympathy for friendship or family (laughs) or age. Double Track from Milton Bradley. I unironically want to play double track love everything about that right? and want to play double double track um and i also think that if you're going to use the phrase money talks and not follow it up with bullshit walks <laughs> i don't know how to help you because i can only hear those two phrases in sequence but i love everything about i love the performance of the dad I love the reveal off screen that the person he's begging for yes, some right? assistance from is, is a young child. Yes. It's I actually, like, it's kind of a good reveal. I like all the performances. I think it's structured awesome. I think it looks, it's a great commercial. I do want to play. No notes. <laughs> I do want to play that game, but there's something in there that doesn't really make a lot of sense unless I guess you've learned how to play the game, which is like, what you do on the outside track determines your fate on the inside track. And like, we're just getting a little bit close to yeah. like parks and recreation cones, cones of, of Dunshire. <laughs> like, and it's definitely not that kind of game. Like I honestly even thought, I know that we have plans tonight. We're going to, uh, you, you're making a homemade pizza. You made some homemade marinara I sauce. I made marinara sauce from tomatoes that I grew from seeds. And so we're going to have a real old fashioned family pizza night here. And I was thinking like, Oh man, if we had double track, we could play that. Like I know that we have birds actually, or we, wingspan that we could play we haven't played that in forever but like this commercial made me want to play like one of our dumb games like yeah. sorry we have a sorry i got rid of most of my board games you know that i had as a kid but we still have sorry we still have risk i could never talk into playing risk no, i'm sure right take, are you sure it would take a miracle really yeah how much pizza will it take how much pizza do i have to get in you to get you to play risk with me <laughs> I don't know how things work. That's not how that's that's not how <laughs> currency works. You don't really understand capitalism. Would you the only other thing that I think I have that would be sort of that would sort of scratch this itch, although not really uh, would be Battleship I have like an old 1970s era I could play board, one or maybe game. 80s I could play one game of Battleship yeah it's fun to set up sort yeah. of but it gets a little tedious it doesn't tedious it gets tedious by the end this yeah. makes me want to play a game like Life I yeah. don't think we have Life I don't think, but uh, sorry's fun though. Sorry's fun. I get. We want to play sorry tonight I'll over play some sorry. pizza. Okay, yeah. you'll be sorry. Uh, all right. So what do we have up next here? We have two more things I'd like to play for you. I think I have these in the right order. Let's play this commercial for a car called the Dodge Omni Miser. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally called the Miser, the oh Dodge Omni Miser, and I think it's the called Scrooge the Scrooge McDodge. So let's see here. Um, 
the Dodge Omni was a car, and then in 1981-82, they, un- they unveiled a Miser version, which I think the whole point is we're in – are we in the oil crisis here, the gasoline shortage, 81 and 82, or are we kind of past that? Because I think the whole point of the Miser is it hardly uses any gas. It's really good mileage. That's the point of this commercial. Even if this is past the oil crisis, this car would have been in development when the oil crisis was happening. Um, so – I think it's still there's probably something of a hangover at that point. And people I don't think I don't think people ever stopped totally caring mm-hmm. about mileage for, you know, for economy cars. Gotcha. So you have the Dodge Omni. And then it says here in 1981 and 1982 or for those years, Chrysler introduced a miser version, a lightly. Equipped oh, I see. It's version. miserly with gas. Exactly. I yeah. It. it was developed to increase fuel economy, including an overdrive manual transmission. So um, what I like about this is it go at first you think it's a commercial for the Datsun because you see a whole bunch of Datsuns. But no, it's going hard. You know, against, I'm so horny for Datsuns. I know. Um, so take. <laughs> I was going to try to make a joke about how much pizza I have to get into. Eh, never mind. Um, take a listen to this. Can an American driving machine outdistance every Datsun on the highway? If we put a gallon of gas in every Datsun and a gallon in the 1982 Dodge Omni here's what would happen. Now, what you're seeing is, so the Dodge Omnimizer is a red car. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of white Datsuns. And, and the Datsun all... looks so much, <laughs> so much sexier than the Miser. And they're, they're, it's interesting, they're all white, right? Yeah. And But the red one is supposed to sort of stand out more, right? Yeah, it stands out as the ugliest car. <laughs> and so they're all driving down like a two-lane highway somewhere, kind of in the middle of the desert. And uh, the red car is bringing up the rear, the, the Miser is. Look at is... that sexy little Datsun. I know. It. This is not Genevieve. Look at me. Genevieve, look at me. This right. is not a commercial for Datsun. Well, this is for the Omni. Now miser. I really just want to go out and buy a vintage Datsun. Now you love the Omni Visor. No, the I don't. Omni Miser. Anyway, you see them all driving on this uh, uh, two lane highway, and uh, one by one, the white cars in front of the Datsuns pull over to the side of the road because they're out of gas, but the Omni Miser just keeps trucking. American driving machine outdistance every Datsun on the highway. If we put a gallon of gas in every Datsun and a gallon in the 1982 Dodge Omni Miser, here's what would happen. One by one, every Datsun would run out. But Omnimizer would keep driving on and on because Omnimizer has the highest highway mileage of any five-passenger American car. 52 Highway price. 35. Uh, Selling for $5,500. Dollar more this year than it cost at the end of last year. So this, um, they're saying that the price has not changed between 81 and 82. I think inflation was starting to be a concern uh, around this time. What's weird to me is they say that this commercial aired in October of 1981. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the poster might have that date slightly wrong. I mean, it's very specific. And as somebody who, uh, you know, finds and uploads this type of stuff, I will use a whole bunch of clues in the VHS tapes I find to get to specific dates. You can usually tell that if there's a news update here sure. or there. And so the fact that they're saying October 12th, 1981 I w- I'm willing to believe that and maybe it just gets a little bit confusing when automakers unveil a year's car yeah but you know, they, they do that at they, weird times they introduce it early right. it's a little bit weird that the language there says it won't cost a dollar more this year than it did at the end of last year when technically they're still 
in the end of last year, if this is actually October. So there could be something funny going on there, or they were just like, they released this, and this commercial was going to air well into January, February, March. I think it's more likely that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can tell I'm getting kind of stumbly and bumbly here at the end of the show, so let's play one more of these and check in with the Ad Council. This is, uh, again, a set of promos for ABC Programming, 1981. This is Mork and Mindy, a very special episode of Mork and Mindy. It looks like they're getting hitched. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I almost said, what was Mork's... partner's name in this i think it's mindy yeah. right okay so you see that they're getting married i didn't know that that was a thing because yeah, they have a baby you think, you think they're having a, you think jonathan winters is going to be born out of wedlock oh is that who i knew jonathan winters played a baby as an adult man but i didn't know it was their baby their now baby. does mork and mindy begin with them as being a plat- like platonic friends yes and then they fall in love so chances are the show probably gets worse and worse the more into a relationship they get I think so. Although I think that the Jonathan Winters years were were well regarded. Really? I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to oh, say. I hated I sh- them as a kid. Oh well. I, I I shouldn't say. Like I I've seen a few Mork and Mindy's here and there, um, and they probably were kind of looking for a place to take the characters, which often is a, mm-hmm. a hazard for a sitcom. So I don't really know if the quality of the show got worse over the years or how, you know, I mean, I'm sure eventually the ratings fell off and they got canceled. And it is kind of interesting that, you know, you have Robin Williams who I'm sure like Mork and Mindy was an introduction to a lot of America to him. Yeah. But of course, you know, he will go on to become what many people say is like, you know, our best comedic performer. I'm not one of those people, but you know, he's absolutely beloved. He's an icon. Absolutely iconic. And, and to a lot of people will just say, Funniest American comedian ever, right? Right. Um, and it's hard for me to sort of like put Mork and Ork into context for that. Like as that show went on, a long running show. Did you mean Mork I'm... and Mindy, or were you actually referring to Ork? Oh, what did I say? Did you I say Mork, Mork and, and Ork? Ork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure as Mork and Mindy went on, boy, a lot of Mindy erasure for me today. As Mork and Mindy went on, I'm wondering if it's one of those things where his career is taking off as a, as maybe he's you know, in films or what have you. Poor Pam Dauber is left in the dust. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting that they bring in Jonathan Winters, another like iconic comedian of that generation, sort of. And you would assume that they were kind of buddies because I have a feeling that like Winters was already established, right? And then joins the cast as an established name as opposed to this is another comedian and we're putting a spotlight on him and this is how he gets his start yeah you know I just don't know enough um yes I mean he was an older he was older than Robin Williams uh, mm-hmm. certainly and so yeah he would have been more established I don't know what the thinking or what the like what whether he joined an incredibly successful show uh or whether he was brought on to save a, a show that was floundering yeah I do see though so this is um we're probably seeing the end of Mork and Mindy, it ran from 78 to 82. Yeah. As you mentioned, I think, before, a spinoff of Happy Days. Actually, no, you, you said that about Laverne and Shirley, yeah, but that's but, interesting. But All these of, ABC several shows of them are, were, yeah. Yeah. In fact, like, I believe they had, like, backdoor pilots with Mork from Ork. He would, that's so bananas. You want to talk about jumping the shark, a phrase that comes from the TV show Happy Days. <laughs> yes. Literally comes from the TV show Happy Days. Like, how did, like, in, introducing an alien to this 1950s sock hop culture. How is that not jumping the shark? Why don't they call it introducing an alien instead of jumping a shark? You know, it's funny. Like, was it jumping the shark or was it some, Was it ahead of its time? I mean, we see all kinds of shows now where a, like, I mean, Community is a good example, right? Where, like, an innovative showrunner uh, 
conf- you know brings together or interweaves two genres that traditionally wouldn't be together you know a a, a sitcom a norm like a a sitcom set in a very mundane uh real world environment that integrates some kind of like supernatural or science sci-fi mm-hmm. elements to it so i actually don't think that the i don't think and i shouldn't say that i know for sure but i don't think his tele- like television history regards the introduction of a sci-fi element to happy days as like a big uh like mistake or overreach i mean it could just be my own bias and you know age bias and everything but i just don't feel that like just introducing a goofy alien has the same sort of artistry of what dan Harmon was doing introducing ideas of sci-fi in an otherwise sci-fi show, I you think know that's generational bias. <sighs> Maybe it just sort of seemed like a, a any a television cheap way historians to get out there. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Introducing Robin Williams, a very cheap way to get laughs. Um. Yeah. Sort of for Happy Days. Yeah. I don't know. I think I I think this is your bias against Robin Williams, against Happy Days, against. I do Ron think Howard. that the Happy Day. <laughs> I'm going to tell Ron Robin. Howard you're talking some shit. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I'm looking up. So this is a promo for both Mork and Mindy, the wedding episode, and also a TV show called Best of the West, which I was unfamiliar Same. with. Apparently, it did have Christopher Lloyd in it, but I think it more as like a tertiary character. It had Joel Higgins and uh, I don't know Carlene Watkins. Um, uh, this is a American sitcom that aired in ABC from September 1981 through August of 1982. Didn't do so <laughs> one of America's most beloved fell short of the reason. <laughs> well, and it's so funny. Like you can always tell if something fell short of syndication because we've never heard of it. Yeah. Thursday, the universe will never be the same. The best is yet to be. It's Ork's newest couple. I love you. I'm Mark and Mindy. Then can anyone save Tillman from the noose? There's no rush, Sam. We can just ride by and take a look at him tomorrow. Best of the West. Thursday. It's That's wild right. to see somebody being put into a noose yeah. on a sitcom. On a sitcom, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about, I mean, it's become so cliche now, but like people say New York City is like, get a rope. Luke yeah. and I have been saying that because that Pace Picante commercial from the 1990s, early 90s, I think. And like the idea of, because now we so associate it with like the, the racist lynchings yeah. in our country's past, but like for me and growing also up. Present. And and present, um, but for me growing up, I thought Old West. When I would think of a yeah. noose, the first thing I think of is like the opening scene of I think one of the Man with No Name movies, like The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, or something like that. And this is the Old West, so it's like you know, get a rope. There's that's one of the biggest tropes yeah. in these kinds somebody of somebody on a horse, somebody on a, a horse noose. with a noose around. Yeah. But it is so fucking dark. It's so dark. It is so dark to yeah. see that. I would say putting a noose in your commercial. That's incredible. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. Okay, I know this is a pretty long show, so I'm going to try to make this quick. But I'm going to play a voicemail here from listener Ben. In fact, I think I might even be rude to Ben. I'm going to start this voicemail and then I'm going to stop it about halfway through and play the commercial that Ben is talking about. Hey, it's Genevieve. This is Ben. First of all, congratulations, Genevieve, on your stellar quiz win. Very impressive. <laughs> uh, I'm calling because uh, there's a commercial that I'm seeing on Hulu for Amazon, which my wife pointed out is ridiculous. It's a couple who break up and then go back to their respective lives and then get back together because of Amazon? It makes no sense at all. 
is basically they come back together and they go, oh, my goodness, remember when we were doing Amazon Prime together? It makes no sense. Um, I don't know if anyone else is noticing this. They're not watching the same programs. They're not buying the same clothes. Okay, I'm going to jump in here and kind of clear things up. Um, <laughs> Please, this... mansplain to bed. <laughs> Andrew's playing to bed. Um, th- I, don't th- I don't think that they... However, Ben said that I don't think is actual plot of the commercial. The, the plot of the commercial is, and it is an irritating commercial. Um, you see this, and you're not going to hear any dialogue either. This is one of those Amazon commercials where it's all um, it's all music, right? Um, but you see this couple, a young couple, having a, what looks like a pretty vicious fight. Yes. Like they're walking, like very, they're in, they're very in their, passionate. Yeah, and let's assume their their shared apartment or something, and they're screaming at each other. And then he grabs a big blanket. And he leaves, right? And then we kind of see shots of them both being miserable in their own spaces or whatever. And then she sits down to watch a TV show or an Amazon Prime show on her computer, right? Mm -hmm. And we see a screen that says, who's watching? And it's either her name or the guy's name. And you see her look sad. It's like a little reminder that... They What's used going to share, on? That they used they to share, share an thing. Amazon account, yeah, or a Prime account. So then, instead of watching the TV show, you see sort of a proverbial light bulb go off in her brain, and she's like, "I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to order something on Amazon instead." And you see her order a sports bra. You're like, uh, and at this point, the viewer are like, "What the heck?" But because they share an Amazon Prime account. You then see him in his shitty little apartment somewhere, uh, looking kind of miserable, and then his phone lights up and it says, "Just delivered your sports bra." And he's like, what? And then you see him Google best revenge workout on Amazon Prime or something. So then he starts working out. So the point is, she buys a sports bra to say, you know what? Time for me to start getting in shape because I'm going out there on the market. And is she getting the sports bra to signal to him that she's doing this? Yes, because she knows he's going to sue. What they start doing is they start buying a bunch of things on Amazon so that the other person will get notifications on it across town and it will reflect to each other what their life what's going on in their life so you that's see so unhealthy it's so yeah that's why i'm saying that's why i stumbled that's at like the beginning the, of the show no like, wonder they broke up they're both toxic yeah and so that's why this commercial is very hateable but i do think that maybe ben didn't quite understand what the also plot con- is like i understand it's why very confusing i'm yeah. gonna watch this and i've never seen it before but ben i will preemptively say that is a confusing story because it make because it would net like people do all kinds of weird shit when they break up but this is beyond the pale in yeah. terms of like convoluted ways of communicating like you know making each other jealous yeah like communicating some weird thing to your part to your ex-partner yes and it's definitely amazon being way up its own ass you know um but so let me see if i can remember the the beats of this because it's i do think they were trying to do a slow reveal so you're like sports bra you're supposed to be confused and at at first sports bra what's with that and then he gets an he gets a notification oh she got a sports bra delivered huh but then you see him watching some amazon prime thing where he's working out in his apartment and getting really buff then you see her watching some really sexy TV. It was like, what's the Rihanna brand? It's like something X. Oh, Fenty. Yeah, yeah it's Fenty. Fenty. And then there's some like TV show where I had to look this up, but apparently there's like some TV show on Amazon Prime where they sh- 
they do Fenty X like a, a fashion show oh, yeah, of it. And, and it's just show. like, and it's yeah. like these really sexy, steamy guys, right? And so you see that and he knows that she's watching that. And then they kind of go back and forth. He orders a package of like blue party cups to indicate like blue solo party cups to indicate that he's having parties. She buys a cute little top that's like, hey, I'm going out to the club tonight. There's even a moment where it looks like maybe they're at the same club. So they're kind of buying these things back and forth. But again, they're buying things at each other. They're buying things at each other to show what their uh, life is becoming. So fight, fight, he storms out. She's mad. So here it says, who's watching? Josh or Julia? She looks around, she rolls her eyes. Then she gets this idea, I'm going to buy a sports bra and he's going to know that I'm getting in shape. He gets the notification, huh? Julia just bought a... Now he's doing a revenge body workout. And she's watching Fenty X or whatever it's called. Now she gets a notification that he just bought a bunch of party cups. Like, oh, he's having a big bro party at his place. She bought this dress to go clubbing in. He's in the same club. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. He's not in the same club. He's at his party with the blue cups looking unsatisfied. She's at this club looking unsatisfied. They're thinking of each other. Now we see a split screen. They're both back at their own apartments watching super romantic shows. People are making out. He's watching Harlem. She's watching The Summer I Turned Pretty. The Summer I Turned Pretty, which sounds like something. That's a real thing. It sounds like something the Simpsons would make up to make fun of an Amazon Prime show. And then they turn to their devices. I don't know if this has anything to do with Prime. Then they both individually just start watching old footage of themselves, I guess, on their it's it's a pretty messy commercial. Yeah. And then at the end, he appears at her doorstep again or at her apartment door holding his quilt that he had walked out in. And they both look disheveled and relieved that they can continue their toxic relationship. Always something that to remind me. Always something that to remind me. Okay. So I agree with you. That is the story of the commercial. But... Ultimately, nothing, the thing that got them back together was just what gets many couples back together, which is regret thinking back on the good times that has that's like the one part that has nothing to do with Amazon. Everything that they did uh, in with Amazon was petty revenge and uh, retail therapy, basically. Yeah, I almost wonder if there was a version of this commercial that was much bolder. Yeah. Like, I I don't know, like, way more sexy or implying, like, sexy times or something. Because, like, blue party cups? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, condoms would have been, like, a more interesting... That's uh, what I'm saying, right? Or or some kind of birth control. Lube. Like, there's all (laughs) kinds of things. Like, there's a version of this that maybe... Makes a lot more. The sense. rabbit. <laughs> well, maybe that's just functional because she's by herself now. But anyway, uh, I did cut off Ben, so let's take a listen to. Um, I don't know if anyone else is noticing this. They're not watching the same programs. They're not buying the same clothes. They are somewhat doing the same things, and I guess they're seeing the transactions. But let's be real. In this circumstance, whoever is the primary is just booting the other person yeah. off. The yep. relationship is doomed. You can't save it because Jeff Bezos has going to deliver something to your house. <laughs> anyway, uh, th- thanks for the show. 
So I know that I messed up the beginning of the show by trying to explain what I was trying to explain here, but this is why I was saying I think I did have a better explanation of what was happening in this commercial, but I am not trying to make the argument that Ben should be happy with this commercial. Yeah, you're That's right, what I was you're right to, to be say. annoyed, Ben, because it is confusing, and so I get why you found it to be nonsensical. And I think that even if you maybe were not exactly like dialed into what was happening, which, again, not your fault, you're right to say that the logic of the ad is completely nonsensical because if Amazon's trying to make the case that it is the architect of their reunion, it's emphatically not. No. If anything, it's the architect of their petty revenge. Yeah. And they're the actual just like pictures and footage of themselves that they have on their own phones is what and brought the, them back together. And, unless that was stored on AWS, I don't get the tie-in. And also, I, yes, exactly. And it, it also sort of goes to the point that like all these things that they buy and do through and watch on their own were so unsatisfying. It's almost like an anti-Amazon. That's a ad. good point, right? It yeah. didn't fill the void. It should have, yeah. It should be a bunch of stuff that they are they're getting on with their lives yeah. together, or whatever. No, it, was, it could have been. Yeah, you know what they could have done, and it would probably probably would be more sympathetic to focus on maybe the woman's journey, but not necessarily. But just like show one person who went through a breakup, but then she's getting her life back together by maybe making some big changes and purchases on Amazon or yeah. helping. Like there's one that's over the top that drives me crazy too. I hate almost all of these. Um, but there's one where there's some guy, he's in a not so great job or an unfulfilling job for him. I think he's a he's a security guard late at night. Have you seen this one? And, no. and when he takes his lunch breaks, he starts watching some sort of a cooking show show then you see uh, probably on prime you know mm -hmm. and then he starts buying cooking utensils and stuff off of prime yeah. and then we see him and his off hours going home making souffles or whatever it's difficult to make and then at the end he he's walking home from work and he passes a restaurant with a help wanted sign and he has built up this thing it's like now i can apply for this because amazon has supplied me with everything i needed both the inspiration and the products i think for me that's to train. a great story that shows the value of their services and products and the way they integrate together mm -hmm. this is just an idea without a without an actual connection to the product. I think we can all agree this is the only thing that Amazon has ever gotten wrong. <laughs> right. You can sell anything. Oops, I have to change the. You can sell anything. Did you hear how different? I don't know if the listeners could tell that I made a difference there because those commercials we were listening to from that old VHS tape were so bad. I had to turn the high end way oh, down on them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, our music was affected there. In fact, so was probably Ben's voicemail. Sorry about that. Anyway, I don't think anybody noticed. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Let's get out of here. What a long show. Fun show, though. Very fun. Messy at times. And please like an do, Amazon ad. do yourself a favor. Go watch the That's Incredible that we're going to post to the show sheet and the Facebook group. There are so many things about the show itself that we can't even talk about here, but like so very clearly some of the font action and the way the text moves across the screen is exactly what Tim and Eric is trying yeah. are trying to like make fun of like there's so many gems in there it really is anyway uh let us know what you thought um get back to us tell us if uh you're seeing an ad that's driving you crazy that you don't think makes any sense and we'll tell you why you're wrong <laughs> um call us at 607-444-5597 again that's 607-444-5597 you can email us at after these messages show at gmail. 
Uh, visit us on the uh, Facebook group or come check out the YouTube page. And Andrew swears that he is going to start uploading pic- uh, more commercials. There. Yeah, there are a bunch up there that we haven't talked about yet, but I do need to um, dig into my creative VHS tapes because I, I have been putting my um, extracurricular energies into other places. <laughs> like watching That's Incredible. Like watching That's Incredible and maybe playing um, the stupid car game on the Xbox. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Kittens, puppies, 401ks, Bobos.